Hello and welcome to another episode of the 2.1 cast. I'm your host, Neil Murray. I'm joined by James Kearney. How are you doing, James? I'm all right. Yeah, not bad. Good. And Stefan Bienkowski. How are you doing, Stefan? Limping along. Limping along. What's wrong? Uh, I hurt my <coughs> fives last night. Jeez, man. Yeah. The sure. life of an athlete. Do you know what? Most typical fives thing ever. Like, I sprained my ankle two or three weeks ago and le- sit in the office all day yesterday thinking, I hope my ankle's okay. I hope I've recovered on my right ankle. In five minutes in the game, I just absolutely done my left heel. Like, I don't know what it is. Do you know, like, whenever you, you land awkwardly, I've taken a shot or something, uh-huh. and then, like, your heel of your shoe, foot's just almost like the sole of your shoe is just sore. Like, so I've, I haven't even been able to put any weight on or anything all day. I've been <laughs> hobbling around town. Uh, it's like this building a lift. I went up the stairs the other day for the first time in a couple of months, and honestly, my knee has been so sore ever since. Uh, <laughs> Much like Celtic's title bid, you're limping over the line. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Well done. Well, yeah, thank done. you. Somewhere Neil, Neil Lennon will get wind of that and he'll be really upset, James. So, uh, <laughs> hope you're pleased with yourself. Uh, yeah, so it was award season with the Met Gala last night, the PFAs on <laughs> Sunday. So we're going to discuss uh, well, the, right, oh, the Scottish Football Writers as soon as well. So we're going to discuss who won the PFA awards, uh, whether we agree with them or not. Uh, other people we maybe think were snubbed or should have been included or, or maybe even uh, won the awards instead of actually picked up the gong so I think we're going to start with young player of the year um, so the winner was Ryan Kent I guess first of all what are our thoughts on, on Ryan Kent winning mm, no no like I mean even getting on the shortlist for Kent is a bit of a stretch I think I, I think you know as a four man shortlist I don't think he's been the best young player I don't think he's even been I don't, yeah I don't even think he's really in the conversation I think he's had big moments in big games but in terms of performing consistently over the course of an entire season I don't think he's been actually been that good um, so you know I dis- totally disagree with that yeah I totally agree I don't even think he's been the best young player at Rangers this season to be honest with you he's obviously a guy with a huge amount of talent and potential and he might be he might one day be the best player that ever played in this Rangers team if you know what I mean like he might go on to become a really good player in England right. or something um, but I <sighs> I think I feel like this might be similar to like when the outrage to Paul Pogba getting nominated uh, in the team of the year down south, and it was a lot of the writers had to come out and be like, "Well, um, the players voted for this like back in February or something when Pogba was on like maybe a run of like six weeks of actual decent form for once," mm-hmm. and that's how these things are hugely swayed. Um, I think as well, you got to bear in mind that the PFA's also includes every player in all the SPFL divisions, so. It'll be a bunch of players in Championship League One, League Two who probably see a lot more Ryan Kent on their telly than they do of the other guys who are mentioned, like Turnbull, Hasty, and stuff, and Ferguson. Um, so I can understand why he he won it, <clears throat> but I don't think he's been the best player, the young player in Scotland by just about by any metric. To be honest maybe with you, maybe who were just pleased he got that jab in in Scott Brown. <laughs> yeah, I guess, well, maybe, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean these big margins. Well, he think. didn't get a jab in. Or did he actually end up punching him in the end? Or was it no? He, he missed he, him, didn't he? It's a sort of heel of his hand sort of thing you oh, know? Right. Like it just sort of pushed up as if he was like holding it's not something. in the best interest of association football either way so <laughs> I can't remember because I was in the middle of a stag do with Neil at the time so I can hardly <laughs> remember yeah, what I happened. just remember like some like some like Rangers fans in our, our group of uh, stags being very upset that Johnny Hayes kept putting the ball slightly with the D of the corner <laughs> it's on the line it's on the line and I was like I mean Rangers are kind of losing anyway to be honest uh, yeah I mean so I, I, before we go on then for maybe honourable mentions or people we thought deserved to win in terms of the list how did you guys kind of please with the, the four the, the final four were Hasty, Turnbull Kent and uh, Lewis Ferguson happy um, with that anybody that didn't deserve to be on it I, maybe didn't deserve a, 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 like no. a strong way to put it but mm. maybe 
there was somebody better. Well, yeah, I, I, I think Chris Ayer was a like shocking omission. I don't understand why he's not been in there. Um, I mean, I, I think out of all those players, he might even be the no. Actually, I'm sorry, Turnbull's the youngest, but like Ayer would be the second youngest out of all that group of players, and he's been absolutely brilliant this season. So I think he can feel very hard done by not to be on that list. Um, aside from that, I think I'm fairly happy. I, I, but yeah, I think I'd swap out Kent for Ayer in the shortlist, and then. I'd be pretty pleased with that. I've got a kind of controversial suggestion here, actually, which I've not actually heard anyone yet suggest. So if they have, then fair enough, I just haven't seen you. I think Alfredo Meadows should have been in this category as a potential young player of the year because he's only 22, which is the same age as Ryan Kent, so arguably makes it in. Um, and I think if you look at Morelos through the frame of a, of a young player, obviously one who's still coming to terms with, you know, obviously coming to terms with his own attitude and his own um, maturity, um, I think people will be more forgiven of him in that aspect of it. Um, he's, he, he's far more appealing as a talent if he's like a fiery young player rather than a senior player who should know better, for example. Um, and actually, I'd go so far as to suggest that not only should he have been shortlist for Young Player of the Year rather than Player of the Year, um, but I think he probably would have had a very strong case of winning it as well. Even though he's obviously had a number of red cards, blah, 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 he's still been superb for Rangers. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Rangers. And like I said, if you then look at it from that point, I think maybe Morelos' success today has almost been like a misgiving for him in this regard because we already consider him a senior player. Mm-hmm a player who Rangers should be able to rely on every season when except when you forget that he's you know he's no older than guys like Ferguson and Kent and stuff who let's be honest Kent has been has given a huge amount of um, patience hasn't he because even Ireland Rangers fans would probably argue he hasn't been brilliant all season no he's been inconsistent yeah, I mean and definitely he, and even if Morelos has missed a huge number of games he's at least been consistent in every game he's played in you know yeah. so yeah, red card on <clears> a goal I mean it's <laughs> <laughs> um, He's 20 goals and assists in the Premiership this year. He's got more in the leagues. I thought he was very good in Europe as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think Craig Turnbull, I've, I wrote an article for the BBC yesterday, to- last week, talking about how just how amazing Turnbull is. I think he was my first suggestion. Um, and I think um, James will probably go on to explain why, so, why he has been so good. But I think Morelos would be the one, after you've mentioned Dyer as well, that I think should have been on this list. And would have I wouldn't have begrudged them actually winning it to be honest with you because if you look at it as if you look at him as a young player still learning his trade, it's a little more forgiving that he has these red cards and he's got this aspect to his game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but besides that, he's been he's he's, he's probably been the best striker in the league this season, and he's still a young player. Blah blah blah. So yeah, I mean I I agree with the Morelos thing. Sorry, I mean it's hard to argue when you look even just at purely stats. Never mind his overall performance and what else he adds to his team. And the same team in the country, but the th- just going back to Ayer, I don't know if it's a, it's a kind of thing where it's not as glamorous a position. I mean, you look at these awards, and many of them are more like attacking minded players or the kind of flair players in a team or the, the kind of players who score goals. Um, you wonder if that's maybe why Ayer or more defenders haven't had a look in, maybe. Um, I mean, might be based on nothing, but even looking at the lower, league, uh, lower leagues, it was pretty much attackers like Bobby Lennon, Stephen Dobby. I mean, deservedly so, great players, but. You wonder if these people, rather than clean sheets or shutouts or good performances in the air or organising your backline, are going to be kind of traits that people look at more. Um, I, I, yeah, I mean that's just an age-old problem for football, hasn't it? Yeah. Even going all the way to like golden boot, for example. There's no, there's no golden goal clearance or something, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I was going to say I was going to say golden shield, but there's no shields <laughs> in football. Either. Golden heat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> golden heat. Uh, but. One thing I maybe I think that might play against Ayer is that 
Um, in his position, he's also played again. He's played alongside senior players who I think have been better than him this year. I don't think Ayer's been Celtic's best defender, central defender this year. I think he's. I think Benkovic is easily Celtic's best centre back. I think Boyata's probably been a. Right now, he's probably still a better player than Ayer. Uh, and then guys like Samovic have had coming and stuff. Ayer's probably like third in that list if you want to argue that. So maybe, uh, unlike maybe Kent or Morelos or maybe a Ferguson where they've had the time and the space to make their position their own, Ayer has always been alongside someone who's probably more reliable or more considered to be the better player perhaps. Let me tell you why you're wrong. Chris Ayer starting off, he's the best header of the ball in the league. He's yeah. the highest success rate when it comes to tall and everyone else. That yeah, that does help, <laughs> you know. But I mean, I mean, I've always been a big fan. I mean, I, was, I remember when he first signed for Celtic, I was really excited, you know, because he heard about this guy. He's the youngest player to ever play in Norway's top flight. He was captain. He captained the side at 16, which is pretty rare. But as I say, yeah, so he's a best header of the ball in the league. In terms of his passing accuracy, his overall passing accuracy is 93.5%. That makes him the fifth best in the league. Uh, admittedly, Benkovic does sort of have the edge there, but um, you know, he's. And, and when you look into passing accuracy into the final third, Benkovic is half a percent better than him. But again, Ayer is the second best player in the league. Right. And one more thing that he's incredible at is progressive runs. So a progressive runs where you dribble the ball. With, uh, at least 10 yards up the pitch. Ayers is second in the league for that. Only Jordan Jones attempts more per 90 minutes than like in the entire Premiership. He's incredible at bringing the ball out from the back. He's great at, with the ball at his feet and he's also brilliant at winning the ball back. And he's also a monster in there. I, I, I think it's... I, I don't understand for the life of me why he wasn't on that shortlist. I think he's oh. been sensational. And I mean, he's had... And even in the big games this season, like I mean, the old firm... Yeah, uh, the last one, the two one. Like, he, was, he, was, he was outstanding yeah, that game. Yeah. You know, there was that block late on where he stopped a certain goal. I think that he's, I mean, he's he's only twenty. It's, it boggles my mind. Like he's playing with such a maturity. I guess that's what happens from you know when you start getting chucked into senior games when you're fifteen. Yeah. Um, but I think he's came on leaps and bounds this season. I think the the raw ingredients have always been there, and it sort of seems like now they're finally coming to the fore. And there's still so much more to come. Mm. Like, I, I, I think I've said this before, but you know, like his playing style is so similar to like Virgil, Virgil Van Dijk, for instance. And I'm not saying he's going to be Van Dijk because you know Van Dijk's the best centre back in the world, arguably. But it's such a unique skill set that when yeah. you possess, when you can do all those things and do them all so well, mm. like you, it's you can do things that just other teams cannot do. And I think for that reason, Ayers became a, not only just an invaluable part of Celtic's back line, but I think he's the most promising player in the league as well. I mean, I think there's no arguments here at all. I mean, I think he definitely deserves to be in the list, 100%. 100%. I think you'd actually be hard-pushed to find anybody really um, agree, like disagrees with that. I mean, I guess it's testament to Celtic as well, the fact they can pick these players out, because it is such a unique style, and you wondered, it was that kind of thing where, like, oh, would he kind of regress a bit when Brendan Rodgers left, because obviously he's, the kind of, he's a Brendan Rodgers player at the end of the day, but actually, if anything, since Rodgers left, he's, he's improved, and he's obviously benefited hugely from him being there, and is, I think, it's, it's hard, to, I kind of agree with what Stefan's saying as well, though, because Benkovic, I don't know, Benkovic hasn't had a look in that much this season. I know he's had injury problems and that, but he, he is a quality defender. But I don't think he'll be missed hugely when he's gone. I think as long as they keep Boyata and they have... Boyata's leaving. Boyata's away. 100%. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Right, well, there we go then. No, that, that obviously changes it. But 
And I'm not saying they could get through a season with Simunovic and um, and Ayer, but even Simunovic recently has been. He's such a weird player. He's been fine, but I mean, Ayer, I, I agree, he's future that Celtic defence. Um, you can obviously argue within yourselves whether you think he's their best defender, but 100% should be in the young player of the year list. Like, absolutely no sh- without a shadow of a doubt. Honourable mention as well for David Turnbull, who, um, I mean, like this season he scored six goals out of one games, uh, which is the second highest tally in the league. Only Odson Edward has got more, and he's got seven. So he's got one more. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll add to that, actually. <clears throat> Turnbull's also um, accounted for 29% of Motherwell's goals in the league this season, so a third of them. Wow. A third of them. Um, like you said, a 19-year-old midfielder who is behind only... Naismith and Edward, I think, in terms of goals. 12 goals in 27 games. He's also got the best shot accuracy in the league, which I didn't realise until I dug into it. Um, his shot accuracy is 52%, um, compared to Curtis Maines, which is 35%. And what's really quite interesting is that um, of all the goals he scored this season, um, I think 5 out of 12 of them, so just under 50%, have come from outside the box. So the guy's just incredible at scoring goals outside the box, inside the box, all over the place. Um, I saw Keith Lazzy going absolutely mad in the morning after the PFA saying Turnbull's the best player of a generation. And do you know what? Like, I, I didn't really see the need to get so angry about something as you know benign as a PFA awards thing because they, they don't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Players don't really seem to bother about them either way. No, Celtic, <laughs> Celtic certainly don't. Yeah, Celtic didn't bother showing up to the awards. But. They did that last year as well, though, just have a wee holiday. Yeah, they did. But <laughs> it's, it's, you, you, people do really bog down and like, kind of got upset about it. And then when you actually, as you say, have to strip it back, it's. It's players from all leagues voting, yeah. and it could be thinking, like, oh, I've got to get bigger of this done and sent off. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't what I was going to say was, like, I actually almost agree with what Keith Lazio was saying. I think Turnbull is probably one of the best talents of Scottish talents I've actually probably seen in the division for a long time. He's, you know, you really look at like Kenny McLean and Andy Robertson and John McGinn, who are just ripping up the English leagues in one in, in by one de- definition or the other, but. I could easily see Turnbull going on that way. I've heard from people at the club saying that Premier League clubs are scouting him, they are interested. I think that'd be maybe too soon. I'd love to see him stay and obviously get himself... If he can keep going like this and keep getting better and better, he's, I'd say he'd probably be the best Scottish player in the division this season. Um, best Scottish young player. Um, in terms of the awards, um, Ayer Morelos may be up there. I think Greg Taylor at deserves a lot of credit as well. He's always overshadowed because he's... Unfortunately, still in like the third best left back, <laughs> yeah. Scottish left like, back. Unfortunately, will never get a look in. Exactly, yeah, but yeah, yeah. we always tend to give him a bit of love in this podcast. Really consistent. Yeah, he's been great this season. People forget how young he is. Another one as well, which technically should be on this, is Edward. Well, I've got that's, that. My honourable mention is Edward. Just even, I think that price tag really kind of play, plays on him a bit. It's a bit of an asterisk next to his name that we're expecting him to be banging in thirty goals a season. But he's had his own injury problems. He's still very young, still scoring important goals. Whether that's in big games or it's just in games where Celtic are desperate and he'll pop up with a goal. Um, I think, just to jump in there, no, but like, you can't overlook what he's had to overcome this season. I know a lot of people are like, oh, he plays for Celtic, blah, blah, it doesn't matter. But he's arrived at the club under a huge amount of pressure because the money they spent. Then immediately they sell Dembele, the guy who he... Del- I mean, don't get me wrong, Edward was great last season, but he obviously played with a bit of freedom knowing that Dembele was the talisman who was supposed to get the goals. In fact, for the large part, Edward didn't even play as a forward. He played as a winger to an extent. Yeah. He gets sold, um, as far as the reports suggest, quite surprisingly to an extent. And then Griffiths obviously goes off the radar. So all of a sudden, Edward not only has to contend with 
trying to now maybe to him as a young French player nine million pounds is a lot of money compared to maybe his peers in the national team and stuff like that but like he's obviously probably been well made well aware of how much that means to Celtic Um, but he's also just immediately like oh right well we kind of hoped that you would maybe embed yourself this season, but now it turns out you have to play up front every that's week it. and score goals. Well, that's it. It's like you're the man. <clears throat> uh, we've got eight in a row we've got a triple treble to do, and we need you to score the goals. And as you say, it's not like Griffiths was out for a bit. Griffiths has been out for the vast majority of this season. Mm. When Edward's not there, there isn't really anybody else. And Another interesting fact I found out this week was that um, if you look at Edward's goals per 90 against every Premiership club, his record against Rangers is his second best in the division. He's only better. He's only got a better goal scoring rate against. I think it's Motherwell. So it just shows like how important he's been for Celtic in the Old Firm games as well. Yeah, I mean he always turns up for those. Even last season, like there's those kind of goals that stick in your mind. The really really good finishes, and it was when he was coming <coughs> in off the wing and cutting in. But I think he deserves a mention. I think uh, Sam Cosgrove. I think it's hard to kind of argue against. No, and I know you're smiling, James, because I'm kind of with you in this one. I still think half of his goals were were a mistake, and he just slipped and hit them by accident. But he scored. He scored some great goals. He, no, no, he has scored some great goals. A lot of those in penalties as well. Though. No, but a lot of them haven't. No, he scored. He scored some good goals, and he's, he's scored against Rangers. I know, like maybe people mm. say, well, that's not really an achievement, but um, <laughs> but I think it is. I think Rangers have been a lot better this season. Uh, but. I think it's hard to say he, he doesn't even deserve to be mentioned. I'm not saying he should win it. I'm not even saying. I think if Jake Casey's on there, you can make a case for it. And I'm not again not taking away from what Jake Casey's in this season, but he's really not played that much yeah. for Motherwell. Yeah, he's had a good six months. That's it. Yeah. You know. So I think if he's in the list, then I think there's definitely a fair argument to make that Cosgrove could be on there as well. I, um, I, I disagree, but that's okay. I mean, I'm not. I mean, I'm not saying that if everybody would mentioned, they would be in my top four. <laughs> no, but I, I feel. Just, I feel he's like, been crucial, Aberdeen. It's not about it. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I think well mentioned, Aberdeen. Lewis Ferguson 100% deserves to be in that top four because you think mm. of somebody who's come in and we're talking about like you're the man. He's pretty much arrived. And the, um, there was probably no expectation for him to be pretty much arguably the most important player I would still say he's more important mm. than Cosgrove because he pops up with a goal but also he's so physical in there you forget he's 19 yeah. uh, I mean starting <clears> with an over a kick against Burnley that cup final header against or semi-final against Rangers he's huge for them if he's not there um, I would say he's I would say he's nearly as important as Graeme Shinney mm. and if Graeme Shinney is going which it sounds like he will he is going to be instrumental for them next season because that midfield is a total struggle for Aberdeen at the mm. moment um, and for a 19 year old to be coming in and being arguably their most important player speaks volumes and I think if he wasn't on the list he'd be definitely right to feel feel robbed Okay before we move on to the next one should we all give our definitive answer who we think was young player of the year Alright yeah so um, Ayer You've seen Ayer mm. who you seen Neil I think Turnbull's a shout actually if I'm honest I think Turnbull yeah. Okay I'll, I'll go with Morelos then <coughs> So Morelos, Ayer, Turnbull Young player of the year Cool We'll do a manager next Sure Yeah let's, let's do, do manager So Steve Clark won uh, Thoughts on this? It's uh, kind of hard to argue against no, this yeah, one, surely. I, I don't, I don't You're st- going to try and argue aren't you, James? I, I don't strongly disagree It wouldn't have been my choice but at the same time it's like I, I, I you know I think it was a coin toss between a sort of three-sided coin, I guess. I think there's like three managers on that Dungeons shortlist. And Dragons, effort, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there's three managers that like, were all equally deserving for now, different reasons. We've already had this chat before I let you go on and argue. If one of these is Gary Caldwell, we're going to have to stop recording. <laughs> Stefan and I'll have to finish. I can okay. promise you, it's not Gary That's Caldwell. Fine. Okay, right. So, I mean, who's who's in your eyes done better than Steve Clark? Well, I've opted for two managers that actually, unlike Gary Caldwell. Select their own teams, which is which is you know encouraging you. <laughs> Get after sun out for that burn. <laughs> uh, so my first choice would be Jim Goodwin at Alloa. Yep, fair. Um, just because for the obvious reasons that they're the only part-time club in the league. He only works with the players was it three days a week. 
Mm-hmm. Like, which is... That's remarkable, isn't it? It, it is mental yeah, when yeah. you think about it. Like, it is mad. So, yeah, yeah, I think, you know, <clears throat> the fact that he's kept them up is, yeah, amazing. You can, when you, especially when you consider the other teams that are slugging out, they're down with, you know, like, you know, okay, Th- Thistle eventually finished above them, but, you know, pretty neck and neck. Queen of the South, they've been an established championship team for some while. They were pushing for the playoffs at one point. Falkirk, again, established championship team. Spent and a yet, ton of money, got rid of that youth academy. Yeah. And, yet, and yet he's... He's finished. The, he's managed to keep them up. So, like, yeah, he deserves a huge amount of credit for that. And I would imagine he's going to get a move to a bigger club over in the near future. I would imagine. Did you take him with this one? <clears throat> yeah, that's that handoff for him. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, and then the other one. Who, <laughs> I really don't recommend he goes from Alwa to this one. <laughs> <laughs> the, the other one that I think has done a remarkable job. But then this is more over the last three seasons than the last than just this year in isolation. But Dick Campbell. At Arbroath. A lot of love for Dick Campbell. I mean, so his first season, 2016-17, he wins League 2. Next season, he finishes fourth, gets him into the playoffs. Okay, it doesn't work out, they don't come up fine. This year, wins, wins League 1 at a canter. Mm-hmm. He's you know first manager in Scotland to, to win the league this year. You know, And I think that when, when you think of where Arbroath were, and I, I can't, I'm not, okay, I'll, I'll hold my hands up. I've not done my research on this one, but I don't know the last time our broth made it to the, the second tier. But I'm uh, willing to bet it was a very long time yeah. ago. I looked this up the other day, I think it's maybe the fourth time in their history, I think. Right, yeah. Are they have actually? The point is, they're a smaller club that yeah. generally oh, yeah. have no business being there, mm-hmm. and yet he's dragging them up, Like, and I think he's done an exceptional job. Uh, you know, if we're all going to say, oh, Steve Clark's done amazing because he's taken a team from relegation candidates to Europe in two years. Dick Campbell's done, in my eyes, at least as good as that in that he's taking a team that have been mincing about the third division for years and he's taken them up to the second tier, which I think is phenomenal. Like, so yeah, kudos to Big Dick. And I would agree with that. I think the thing is as well, it's not like a, a weak League One. I mean, you had Wraith Rovers in there who were probably like big favourites to, <clears throat> to go up or at least do something. Do you mean Dumbarton last season obviously went down, but... Again, quite a big club for that for that level. Um, was it Brecon also went down? Yeah, who back-to-back relegations. You maybe thought they would do something, but apparently not. Um, <laughs> but regardless, I think you're, I think you're right. It's, it's, it's similar to the David Hopkin kind of effect at Livingston, where he got so, so many plaudits, and rightly so, for back-to-back promotions, not spending much money. And Dick Campbell's done an amazing job, and you look at him, like Bobby Lynn has developed into like such a talisman for them. Mm. And I reckon they could do like an Aloha next season and, and stay up. There's nothing to say they can't. I mean, there's also nothing to say they can, because that league is absolutely mental. Oh yeah, it's, um, it's mental. Oh, yeah. Anything uh, but, can happen. But he deserves so much credit to, to win that league so easily, when there's other clubs in there who definitely uh, would be on your list to, to be fighting for promotion before yeah. before our growth. I haven't watched a single minute of League One football this season, so there's not much I can say. All I can say is I watched the interview with um, Dick Campbell when they won it, and like the kind of classic interview on the pitch, all yeah, the fans yeah. were and like watched it like 20 minutes over something, and it's really quite emotional actually, because it, it, it goes way, it takes you back to like a bygone era of football, this guy with the flap cap on, just like really big stocky manager like just, just sort of jock steens types aren't you like and where, when like managers were really just old men who like just kind of bossed around the club um but he talks about like how his best friend passed away and yeah, how he did, did it for them and i think his brother also passed away maybe yeah. um so it was yeah it was really nice actually it was it was like a really romantic oh, idea of scottish football where it was, everything was good about it, actually you know and you know we, ha- we had the camera following around, and there's just people going up and shaking his hand and stuff like that. It's really old fashioned. I-, I thought it was brilliant, but it's not manager of the year. No, no. Steve Clark is clearly the manager of the year. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, right? I'm, I'm all I'm all for like the lower leagues having the romance and like you know their history and stuff. But 
Steve Clark has set the gold standard for management for coaching in Scottish football. Everything that's happened this season in the Scottish Premiership has been defined by Kilmarnock. You look at Aberdeen, you look at Hibernian, you look at Hearts, uh, you look at Motherwell, you look at anything, you try and make a point for any manager and a disgruntled fan will say, yeah, but look what Kilmarnock have done. That's what every single man, if you try to make a point for Derek McInnes or you know what Neil Lennon did at Hebs for a while or uh, Craig Levine, yeah, but look what Kilmarnock did with uh, Steve Clark. And to an extent they have a point. He has He's worked miracles with that team. When he, you know, uh, I was interviewing him at the PFA Awards and he said, you know, his first, when he arrived at, before he arrived at the club, he did his homework on Kilmarnock and the reason he took the job is because he thought, right, I can do enough with that team to get them from being relegated. That was his job when he arrived. He's not been flipping. That generally was what the club were just doing their best to avoid getting relegated. And he's done that and then some obviously and now they're on the cusp of qualifying for Europe. Um, and he's done it. He's done actually, see when you think about it, because obviously your your friend uh, does comms there, right, for Kilmarnock. It's Scott McClellan, uh, yeah. yeah. I've been on the podcast before, yeah. Yeah, of course, sorry. Um, and I remember when Scott started, and it was like his second day, he was like, oh, Lee McCulloch's getting sacked by the way. He's like, ah, cool, baptism of fire then. And I was like, this is really bad times. So he's, he's left his job, he's going to go to this fucking championship club next season. And then Steve Clark came in, and we were all a bit like, how have they done that? And then since then, it's just been unbelievable. Even, I mean, even like, I think we forget because we say it just as a kind of everyday or every week comment that they could finish third. I mean, that is absolutely unbelievable. I mean, my kind of lasting memory of Kilmarnock since, since I've been alive is the likes of like Jimmy Calderwood saving them in the last day in the playoff against Falkirk and them always really struggling. People saying, oh, they don't give anything to the league. It's bad crowds. The youth system's not there. All of that is different. Um, and in these last two seasons, it's, it's rem- remarkable. Um, and, and the thing as well is they've got some good, obviously, individual players like Brophy, Greg Taylor, Miller Mills, obviously a key one. Guy Dick has been great for them this season. But Alan Power. As well. Alan Power too. Um, <coughs> but, yeah, of course, and I know I've just mentioned half a, we've mentioned half a dozen names, so it's kind of makes a point moot, but they are a team of, they aren't a team of individuals. They are, they, they are a strong collective and, you know, Clark himself and dogs that at the PFA Awards, he's like, well, it's because we play as a collective. They're not relying on maybe a Halkett at Livingston or a Ferguson uh, or a Cosgrove at Aberdeen or, you know, maybe a, maybe a Turnbull like at Motherwell, for example. I know these clubs are far more than just that, but it's not as if Steve Clark's just showed up when this, like, Diamonds showed up from the youth team and dragged him forward. It's It's been outstanding coaching and, I think I think he's an absolute phenomenon. I think you'll move on from Kamonic one day, might be this summer, and from from then on in history, we'll remember this is like the golden era of one of Kamonic's golden years, and we'll always remember this is those years in which Steve Clark was at Kamonic. Yeah. Define this era of Scottish football. Yeah, I mean, the the fact as well that it is largely the same group of players that were staring relegation in the face. Like, okay, there's been a couple of people who came in, but. By and large, it's the same team he's got, and yet, as you say, that's testament to his coaching ability because he's got them from being look, looking like dead certs for relegation to, yeah, the third best team in Scotland, which he obviously deserves an incre- like an enormous amount of credit for. I have one honourable mention. I don't. I don't think I, I also have an honourable mention. So take your time. We've got the same one. I think maybe. No, I've got another one. Excellent news. I mean, I wouldn't say this person would replace Steve Clark as the winner but I think he definitely deserves a mention it might be Gary Holt um, I think it's really easy to forget because Livingston have been safe for so long uh, how much of an achievement bear in mind this is a team that have gone up three like three leagues in two seasons whatever, or two leagues in two seasons whatever. I can't do maths apart. two leagues in one season there we go uh, numbers uh, but I mean they lost uh, David Hopkins which was a huge part of that 
Um, then they also lost Kenny Miller. I was going to say, yeah, Kenny Miller came in as well. Doesn't yeah. that seem like forever ago? No, um, no. Scrapped the Youth Academy as well. Yeah, scrapped the Youth Academy. Unlike Falkirk, it's actually worked out. Um, so, sorry, that was a really, really poor dig there. <laughs> yeah, just twist that knife, Neil. Um, but Gary Holt, I mean, he's he's essentially picked up 43 points in the games he's been in charge this season. That's 34 games. That's 11 wins, 10 draws, 13 losses. So that's 1.26 points per game. So, not like setting the world on fire, but Livingston would have taken a point above the relegation playoff, right? They're yeah. comfortably clear. Um, yeah, they've maybe not been as impressive in the second half of the season, but they're still a very hard team to beat. Uh, and this is a season where they've defeated uh, defeated Rangers, they've defeated Hibs, they've spanked Hearts 5-0, they've drawn with Celtic twice. That's mm. one of those times whether you want to say, you could argue, oh, Rodgers wasn't there, Rodgers was there one of the times. They've been great against no matter who they've come up against. Um, and they've won games that weren't expected to win, but they've also been really good at beating the teams around them. And I think we're talking about... A team like Kilmarnock, where they're a, t- uh, a kind of team, uh, team like doesn't have any individual standout players. They've got a couple, but again, it's that team unit where everybody knows exactly what they're doing. It's not pretty at times, but it, but it works. Yeah. Um, I mean, that defence, and it's a shame it's going to get broken up in a way with, with Gallagher, uh, Lithgow, and Halka. I mean, that is a three that is just formidable, and any attacker would struggle to break down. I mean, we saw it early on in the season when they beat Rangers. Morelos didn't really have have a sniff, uh, yeah. as far as I remember. Um, but Halka, it's, it's good to obviously see him going on to a bigger club in Hearts. Uh, hopefully he can turn around what's going on at Tynecastle right now because I've not really made any secret about how much I think he's a good player in this podcast. I get slagged left, right and centre for it. Um, if I could have put him up for manager of the year, I would have said that. Um, but he, yeah, he's been he's been excellent and I really do see him having a role in the Scotland setup at some point and maybe, unfortunately, he needs to go to a bigger club to do that. But he's, he's a total leader. He's just the full package. Um, what I would say a little bit Holt is I think this summer is going to be a huge test for him I agree with that Halkett's away Gallagher's away mm-hmm. Kelly's could very easily leave Hardy's Hardy's going to go I was going to jump in and say about Kelly is apparently he's got a really really bad minimum free release clause like 80k or something yeah I've heard Ooh, that and really? the, I think the club, why did they do that? well it was before they realised yeah. how good he was I suppose but I think the club are trying to get him signed up to a new contract with a bigger one because it'd be a crime if they don't get at least like half a million yeah, for him or something because mm-hmm. he's been one of the best goalkeepers in the division yeah, absolutely yeah. But I totally agree actually Guy Holt was one of the ones I jumped uh, first came to mind when I thought of at least in the Premiership the best one of the best in, in the Premiership this season um, and to take over for what David Hopkins did who obviously left thinking there's nothing else I can do with the squad to an extent and Holt's just came in and obviously done better and unfortunately I, they're probably going to now end up finishing ninth. They might end up only finishing like three points above Hamilton or something. Nah, they're 14 clear, they're alright. Of Hamilton? Mm-hmm. Are they? Oh, yeah. I must have misread it, I honestly thought the same. Oh. I just looked before I started talking, I was like, oh, oh well, my apologies. Well, even still, they're going to end up finishing ninth, which might not look great in no. when people look back in history, but it's obviously, they're obviously victims of their own success. Yeah. A bit like Celtic, where once they knew the job was done, form just kind of went out the window to an extent and started dropping a lot of points. I think they lost like four or five games in a row for the yeah. first time. I mean, t- tell you what though, imagine a lot of people when Miller left I mean to be honest I don't know how good an appointment the Miller thing was anyway but a lot of people I bet thought when Miller like essentially left or whatever they want to call it a mutual mm-hmm. coupling or whatever um, I bet a lot of people thought they're in a lot of trouble when uh, not not even that Holt's a bad manager but just changing a manager after two games your whole pre-season goes out the window I bet a lot of people thought I, mean, probably, I think I, I said I thought they were favourites and I saw them in the playoffs and they were really good but I still thought this would be a step up after losing Hopkin and all that so it's a, I think it's just a brilliant achievement from him and the playing squad One more thing I want to throw about Holt as well is that he's 
delivered one of Livingston's greatest ever results with the 5-0 win over Hearts as well, which I'm sure if you ask Levy fans, they will say that that was like one of their best results in decades. That, that classic central belt rivalry. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, the bad blood, honestly. <laughs> um, I have uh honourable mention as well, actually, who, again, might be quite controversial. I actually think Derek McInnes deserves a bit of credit this oh, season. I'm being serious. Yeah, now, let me hear me out here, right? As we said in the last podcast, McInnes has had to go through a huge amount of transition this season. He lost Kenny McLean, who's recently been deemed the mayor of Norwich, as I'm sure we all mad know. Mad dog of Norwich. <laughs> yeah, the mad dog of Norwich. Right? Um, Ryan Christie, who I think if he'd remained fit, could have been one of the players of the year this season. Yeah. Um, Rooney, to a lesser extent, obviously. Um, but we have to remember, there's a good chance they might still finish third, right? So if Aberdeen finished third, they would, that means a season in which... McInnes has had to basically bring in a whole new bunch of new players, ripped out the heart of that team, um, and still got to a cup final, which is something we can't overlook. And it's also worth remembering that all people are going to remember is that they got thumped off Celtic in that cup final, but what people don't realise is that Shaney was injured, GMS was injured, McGinn was injured, Shea Logan was injured, Mickey Devlin wasn't even fit, but had to come on because Don Ball was an idiot and got himself sent off after 20 minutes. And that, Classic that, Ball. If you think that Aberdeen team in that game, the average age was like 22 years or something because there's yeah, so many youth players in the yeah. squad. So instead of looking at the performance in the cup final, it should remember that they beat a Hibs team, which was still very good. They beat a Rangers team. Second time they've knocked Rangers out of the cup in one season. And they've also got a very good record against Rangers. And I know this is probably not going to work out because even half the Aberdeen support probably aren't convinced by and never mind convincing you know, the rest of Scottish football. But... I, I genuinely still feel maybe I'm the only person doing this and maybe I'm just a madman but I, I just think if Aberdeen can finish third clinch that third place get to a cup final okay right off on the day because of what happened injuries and stuff I think that's still a really impressive season and in, 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 a, in a league which as we said had the resurgent Rangers Celtic have been imperious as always and he's had to deal with Kilmarnock um, uh, Steve Clark's Kilmarnock side as well to an extent it's a good. He's had a good season. Yeah, but I don't think he's had the best season. No, I wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't really suggesting for the margin here. I'm just saying like an honourable mention. So maybe like, maybe like maybe the third best in in the division maybe this year. Uh, yeah. Okay. Right, yeah. Um, right, so so I don't know. I mean, I, in, the, in the Premiership. So probably. Who, who, yeah. Yeah. Who's, who's he behind? Clark and who? Probably Holt. Holt probably. Yeah. So he's had a better season than Rodgers, Lennon, and Gerrard put together. I think he's had a better season than Gerrard. Actually, I, that's probably a good way of quantifying it. I'd say. McInnes has had a better season than Gerrard. That's it. I, I just think, honestly, see, I look at Aberdeen, right, so the 14 points behind Rangers, right, and yeah, Rangers have spent some money, but I think, honestly, Aberdeen... Some? Yeah, but I still think... Defoe's probably making more money than half that Aberdeen team. I don't know, they've got oil money. Um, <laughs> they definitely don't. I, think, I honestly think Aberdeen, on 61 points, could honestly have about another less than 20. Like, they don't deserve some of the points. They've been stinking this season. Um, I th- don't know, I think the, you'd have to take away the cup final, getting there as an achievement in itself, and beating Rangers so many times. Yeah, they're all good points, but don't forget... They also, sh- got, they also got to a semi-final and were only knocked out by Celtic. Yeah, but don't forget the shocking result against St Mirren and Hamilton. Had, so, St Mirren played in Mother Park and drew it Audrey. Hamilton, midweek, put to like 34 fans and beat them at Pataudry. Mm-hmm. They've had a ter- their home form. It's shocking. He's bought really badly in the summer. He's, all that's really saved him is maybe Lewis Ferguson and some youngsters he's decided to play because his signings have been so bad. He had the chance to bring in players and replace them, and he didn't. I mean, who the fuck is Stephen Gleeson? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I, I, I just, I'm not having it. I'm not having is it. Is he not the guy in the Star Wars movie? Exactly. He might as well. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I just think that I don't can... know. I don't know, man. I'm just saying. I mean, I, I get that very few people agree with us, and maybe even Aberdeen fans won't, but I think 
I think Aberdeen have had another solid season, and, and McInnes has been really up against it this year. Yeah, what I will say, I think what Derek McInnes does is, if he's got a squad that can finish third, he'll finish third. Mm-hmm. If he's got a squad that can only finish fourth, he'll finish fourth, and whatever mm-hmm. position that is. So he's never going to have a squad that's going to finish first. When he had the squad that was better than Rangers the last couple of seasons, he's finished second. You maybe argue last season they had a squad that was only really fit to finish third and they picked Rangers to it, but I would also say they had Kachinia, Marty, and like a bunch of basket cases. So I don't know. I, I just feel like I don't think he's had a disastrous season, but I don't think I'm just saying he doesn't fucking deserve an honourable mention. I'm not having that. <laughs> I'm real. Yeah, yeah. You've convinced me. I don't know. I, just, I, I, I don't think he's had a bad. I think yeah, I think he's had a he's slightly above average it's season. Fine. Yeah, yeah, like, it's fine. I don't, I don't think he's anything more. Than I know that. so many people. People. I think guys, they took Burnley to extra time. I mean, do I have to really point <laughs> it out to you? I mean, absolutely nothing against Aberdeen. I just think yeah. I know. I get. I get. I get. I think you make very good points, and I'm not really suggesting him as manager of the year. Of course, I'm just saying. I think we should acknowledge that I think he's actually done a really good job with the tools he's had at hand this season. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with that. I think as well, this is the thing, see what he's got there. I don't think there's anybody, maybe this is the point you're making then, with what Aberdeen have at their disposal, I don't think there's actually a better man than Derek McInnes for the job. No matter what half of that support think, I actually don't think there's... Steve Clark. (laughs) (laughs) This is the point I was making earlier. Any argument is just Steve Clark. All right, fine. You're right. You're right. My manager is shit. Steve Clark exists. We did Aberdeen last week. Right, yeah. yeah, I've had enough of Aberdeen. Also, I'm laughing. We haven't even done player of the year. I know, I know. (laughs) Right, so who are we all saying for manager of the year? Let's just draw a line under this. I'm saying. Uh, Goodwin. You're saying Goodwin? Uh, I've got to say Clark. Right, okay, well, I'm I'm saying Clark too. Yeah, you've got to say Clark. But I think we're both saying Gary Holt deserves a mention as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. A good one as well, actually. I didn't say anything about Goodwin. He was, he's been brilliant. Oh, yeah, I, I also he'll, be, he'll make a great St. Mary manager next season. <laughs> oh, that's not for sure, actually. Um, I think the Ross County managers as well, Kettlebell and uh, your man. Always forget uh, his name. Ferguson? That's yeah. it, yeah. Always, I feel so bad. I always remember Kettlewell. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, yeah, I think they deserve a lot of credit. No more honorable mentions. Right, okay. Player of the year. Um, oh, this is going to be a riot as well. I'm going to go for. Well, so, who was nominated? So, who was nominated? Forrest. Kent. Forrest, McGregor, and Morelos. Right. Well, do we think Forrest deserves to win? Yes. Yeah. I would agree with that as well. Um, yeah, I mean, he's really stepped up this season, particularly in big games. He's, he's became a leader on the pitch for Celtic, which I don't think is something you could have said before. Like 40 plus, I think it is now, combined goals and assists in all competitions. Uh, I think he's one of the few players in Europe, possibly the only player in Europe to have done that this season. Um, you know, he's had big goals and big moments as well, like the winning goal against the old, against Rangers in the old firm. And yeah, I think he's been absolutely sensational. Um, yeah, uh, my, my, my top three for player of the year are very boring in that they're all on the shortlist. Like. Yeah, I, I, I find that the player of the year actually has been a wee bit underwhelming in a sense. I think a lot of older players have actually struggled. Maybe that's actually a good thing with the league where there's a lot more to pick from the young players actually, I think, this season. There's far more intrigue into that. In, I think I think James Forrest has been outstanding. Not only has he had his best return uh, of goals and assists per 90 in European games this season, but he's also had his best return for games in big domestic games, which I define by against top six sides and for in the large stages of the cup competitions. Um, I wrote a piece kind of celebrating his award by saying, I think he is now Celtic's big game player. Scott Brown's kind of dimension in that squad, I think. Forrest, maybe Edward as well to an extent already, but Forrest the kind of guy that seems to just step up in these games and 
Um, he's, I wrote that article about five weeks ago and he hasn't scored a goal or created assist since then. So. <laughs> the 2.1 curve strikes again. Uh, it's just moved to the DVC. Uh, but um, so when I was like updating the stats, I was like, oh, they don't need updated. That's interesting. Uh, but um, it was just add a lot more time onto it. Uh, but no, I think I was interested in the, the Celtics own awards. They picked McGregor. I was quite surprised by that, to be honest with you, because even although he is probably one of my honorable mentions actually which I'll go on to talk about I guess I'll just do it now uh, but um, I think McGregor's been in and out of the squad a bit too much what's really what I found really interesting is I feel like he he's kind of gone back a wee bit on what he did last season but then I think the reason for that is that his position's changed to an extent he now is playing in that Scott Brown role um, and when it's alongside Ryan Christie it, he looks tremendous since Lennon's came in, Lennon's kind of had to bring Brown back into that side because Christie's been injured a lot of times. Um, and interesting enough, McGregor got 14 goals and three assists last year. This season, he's got six goals and nine assists. So his goals have diminished, but his assists have jumped up, which makes sense because he's now playing further back in the park. But that just shows the way he can just really... He can play anywhere in that midfield as a number 10 or as a number 6, whatever. But um, His assist at Pataudry, the first one, they got two, but the first one where he played in Lustig, I thought was... Yeah. absolutely brilliant and it's a perfect example of like the sort of delivery he's got on him when he wants to do it you know when the opportunity arises yeah he's he's. I mean he's probably sums up Celtic quite well this season in the sense that he's obviously one of the best players in the division by some distance maybe but he's maybe since the last like two or three months he's just kind of really dilly-dallied about actually and the same as Forrest actually as I just mentioned Forrest hasn't done anything about five games now mm. both of them like the whole squad to an extent has drifted off holiday yeah, and well, yeah, but I think maybe Tierney and Christie's injuries have played a big part in the, in just the lack of impetus in that team. Yeah. Like I said earlier, if Christie had been fit this whole season, I think he would have been my player of the year, if I'm honest with you, to yeah, extent. Yeah, he's, he's been a total revelation, I think, in terms of coming from... I know he had a good, he had a good time at Aberdeen, but that even at the start of the season when, when he wasn't going to look in, you thought, oh God, this is such a waste. It's the kind of Scotland having a good spell at Hibs, not going to look in, but he really broke his way in and... How many times have we said, like, well, you in particular, Stefan, not a slight in Scott Brown, but when he's not playing, Celtic are so much slicker and the transitions from the kind of base of that midfield with like, a Callum McGregor there or a Christie playing, it, the difference is like night and day. And I think I'm willing to put my name on the record saying Celtic's form has dropped off on the new line because he's had to play Scott Brown. I'd go as far as to say that. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. Like, at that base, that midfield, it slows things <coughs> so much down that mm, mm. if you ask any Celtic fan, they say we're just so much slower in transition. Yeah, I've spoken to a few Celtic fans who do. They say, like, obviously, Brown, what he's done for the club, he's a total legend, but he does slow it down. And I think it's just a testament as well, though, to, you know, talking about this is Scott Brown, and people are like, no, Ryan Christie's been that good, or Cal McGregor's so good in that position that now they're fine without him. I mean, yeah, I think that's one of the things that's been really amazing about McGregor this season is that, you know, up until now, he's been an attacking midfielder essentially. This season, or a left back, <laughs> or a left back. <laughs> and then, this, you know, obviously Brown was injured that about was it, September time. McGregor slots in, and he's doing basically just as good as Brown like, yep. in terms of his actual numbers. Like who was player of the year last like, year? Yeah, by the way. Brown, who is the best passer in the league comfortably. McGregor can post all, like slightly worse, but virtually identical numbers to Brown. And he can do it it's the first few games he's, he's ever had playing in that position. Yep. And he also does it at a much faster rate, like you said. So, no, I think McGregor's had an excellent season as well. And I think he's a close second. Hmm. But, yeah, for me, it's got to be James Forrest. has to be. Um, 
more right, where else then? Where? So I mean, I'm, I'm, we've already spoken about Morelos when you had him in that category. I think mm. that still all those stats. Does anyone think Morelos should have been Player of the Year? Um, I, I think he's like third after right. McGregor. And I Forrest. think I think if he hadn't had like seven red cards this season, it he probably it, would have been Player it, of the Year. It didn't help. I don't know about that. I mean, I think it definitely didn't but, help. Yeah. But can you give a, can can you give award? Can you give Player of the Year to a player who plays for Rangers and they didn't get to a cup final or either cup final mm. finished? Conflict distance by Celtic, that's the issue, the, isn't it? I mean, the issue was with particularly the sending offs is that see if they were just, you know, obviously this isn't ideal, but see if they're late tackles or second bookings or whatever, it's like it's become slightly more understandable. But I think four out of the five have been for violent conduct, yeah, which is just you just obviously it's so that's the thing, needless, you know, because I, I wonder if that maybe stopped. I'm not saying McGregor, Alan McGregor said like as good a season, maybe well, I don't know about Kent, but. So I think he could have been in the conversation, but again, he's like he, he's he's probably maybe dropped off slightly this yeah. season. He's still had some huge moments for Rangers this season. I think Rangers' best player this season might have been Scott Arfield. Really? Yeah, I really do. I think yeah, it's been good. I yeah. think he. I think the real issue for Rangers at the start of the year was they just didn't have a number ten, uh-huh. and Arfield has stepped into that role when he's had to. He's played out in the left and maybe even looked better. And he just strikes me as that kind of. He just strikes me as that real Rangers player who doesn't seem to. Um, shy away from responsibility because I think the go-to person would be Tavernier and although he's got an amazing amount of assists and I don't really count his goals as much because so many of them are obviously penalties mm. so I, I just don't I know, there's a, I know there's a talent scoring penalties I'm not diminishing that but he's no, not a goal scorer for example yeah, yeah. For sure. um, he's outstanding going forward standing assists but I, I can't think of Tavernier's season except for that pass back against Celtic that's the thing that stands mm. out to me <laughs> so yes, it's another assessment. But and I just feel like Tavern uh, I just feel like Arfield's a completely different type of player. Yeah, I mean I'd agree with that. I think Arfield as well has kind of flourished in the last few weeks with this kind of unbeaten run of Rangers because mm. I think finally they've actually there's been a couple of times this season that I've been like, Oh, they've found that midfield trio, they've got the balance right. But actually like with Davis kind of f- slightly further back, mm. he looks really, really good in that role. I think he's mm. finally got his fitness back. And he looks like the kind of signing everybody at Ibrox maybe hoped he was going to be. I think Kamara's been an excellent signing as well. Jack's uh, gone under the radar yeah, as well. Yeah, sorry, Jack. That Actually, Jack is, I think, massively underrated. Because mm. uh, when people were talking about Ryan Kent for player of the year, I thought he's maybe like my fifth or sixth yeah, in even I, that Rangers yeah. team. I would agree with that because I, mean, I was going to say Tavernier. Bolton as well. I mean, I know he had a rough patch around January time when mm. he had to put up a war every week, but I think to come into that squad and he's just so quickly just sorted so many problems out in the defence he's yeah. already played more than 50 games yep. <laughs> for Rangers no, exactly. he's only arrived in summer yeah, yeah. no that is, I mean, that's mental but I mean that's the thing and that's why the Kent one's really strange it's that maybe like you say he's a flair player he had a good showing in the last Old Firm game so maybe that's why mm. then you have to remember this is not writers this is not this is, this is fellow players yep. from all leagues that don't even play against these players every week so mm. um yeah, the Arfield one's a really interesting one. It's actually quite—he's everything I think that they hoped Graham Dorans would be. And I know yeah, Dorans yeah. has been really unlucky with injuries, but he really has stepped up. And I think again, he's been under the radar a wee bit. He scored really important goals, but he's been huge and he's been really good in the Old Firm games as well. Yeah. Um, okay. There's more than two clubs in Scotland. Uh, <laughs> anyone else from anyone else? I've got two I, I, names written down and I think one of them's going to make James laugh. Uh, James I, I was going to say Shinny, yeah, I was going to come I was going to say Shinny. No, I like Shinny. <laughs> I've got some oh, we're all agreed then, yeah. Shinny, Shinny's good. How can you say Aberdeen have had a bad season but Shinny could be player of the year? You can 
be, you can be having a good fine, season and be a shit team. He's, I've got, he's managed to play well. I present to you Scott McDonald. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the prime candidate for good player in a shit team. <laughs> I'll just bring it back to this. So. Uh, two stats that stood out for me with Shinny is that he's second in the division for our defensive duels, which is usually the realm of defensive mm-hmm. mid, uh, defensive defenders. Defensive defenders, central defenders. So obviously shows how much he just does in the mm-hmm. midfield. And he's actually third in the Aberdeen squad for through balls this year. Behind uh, Ferguson's top, I think, and then maybe it's McGinner GMS. But mm. so that I think that just shows how good he is as this a tremendous box to box player. He defends, he attacks, he just gets the shit done, doesn't he? I think He's like Gimli in Lord of the Rings, really. <laughs> well, I think I love that. I think it's, it's that kind of thing as well when you kind of look at a player of the year. Also, how important they are to that side. So when you take Shinny out that side, I look, I'm talking about, we're talking about Ferguson and Cosgrove. They were missed. We take Shinny out, completely different team. Aberdeen are like, uh, you can tell he's missing. And um, hmm. I don't know if you get anything else to say about it. I was just going to say, I think Shinny's probably been the best Aberdeen player in a very long time. Mm-hmm. I can't, I'm struggling to think of someone that's been. I think McLean better. is good, but I think. But you know, I guess the longevity yeah. comes into play as well. Yeah, totally. Shinny, and also, Barry. Shinny's just been such a servant to that team. He's yeah. basically been Aberdeen's like Scott Brown to an extent, hasn't he? I know yeah. that simplifies things hugely. But no, he's been absolutely brilliant. He's been a mainstay, and he's he, well. Daily record, just, daily record just reported he's sealed his Derby County switch. Yeah, that's expected. he's definitely leaving. There's no yeah. doubt. Which is um, when we're doing this next year, I'll be saying how amazing it is that McInnes has moved on from Shinny and secured fourth place in the division. Uh, and McInnes is now at Sunderland. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I think I think you're right. I think we're on. It's interesting that you guys all agree with me because I thought I was a bit of a left field show. No, I, th- no, no. I think that's a, f- a fair one. I mean, Tavenier, I would say, like, is he's also like looking at his key passes. He's top of the division for key passes as well. Mm. So he, yeah. he is just so creative. Yeah. Um, whether he made the top four is another matter, but I think he did. I mean, I'm, I'm also going to say Craig Halkett as an honourable mention. He was on my list as well, to yeah. be fair. And I, I know his numbers have maybe dropped off in terms of the whole league, but in, we're talking about an importance to one team. I think he is a huge, huge player. He, he is, like, and it's such a kind of cliche, but he is such a leader for that Livingston team, and without him, they're a completely different side. And, and I think, like you guys were saying, with we're giving Holt all this praise, but it's going to be huge to see how they go on next season. Uh, I think it's going to be really tough for Livingston because uh, maybe losing. Halkett would be one thing, but losing Gallagher as well, that's you know, like two-thirds of that brilliant defence. And I think Lithgow only works, really, because he's part of that unit. But um, also, just, I mean, Halkett's scoring 40-yard roldies as well. So, I mean, that also is another aspect of his game they might miss. So. One person who I think would be on this list, if not fringe, is probably Stephen Naismith. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. Um, we're talking about just teams light, that are light, bad. Light, lighter for him there. Ah, you're talking about teams that are, like your point of teams mm. that are bad and players can see up at play of the year. Uh, yeah. That is a perfect example. Well, Hearts didn't lose when they had Naismith in the yeah. team, though, so they wouldn't oh, be in this shit show if he hadn't kept getting injured. Yeah, but yeah. that's yeah. something they have to contend with, I suppose. Are we done? Because I'm tired. <laughs> that was a real yeah. slog. Yeah. So who are we saying? Are we, all, are, we, are we all just saying James Forrest? Are we all happy with I that? I think we actually yeah. are. Yeah. I, I know it's boring, but like it's like. Who's your top three then? Oh, yeah, again, it's quite boring for me. Forrest, McGregor, Morelos. Oh right, okay, that's interesting. I would say in that order. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm actually trying to think of it a bit. If I'm putting Morelos as young player of the year, I'm going to say uh, Forrest, McGregor, Arfield. Okay. okay and then if okay. I was talking up to the top five, I'd probably put Shinny and maybe Halkett in there. Fair enough. Yeah, I think I'm. You're just Halkett, Halkett, Halkett. <laughs> Halkett cubed. Um, yeah. No, I think I'd probably have. Halkett, Gallagher, and. <laughs> <laughs> Liam Kelly. Like, Actually, Liam Kelly's a decent shoot. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, he's had an excellent season. Yes. Sorry, yeah, Liam Kelly then. I'm, I'm actually quite torn between McGregor and Forrest, to be honest, um, in terms of who would be best for me. That's much of a much isn't it? Yeah, I, I really do think McGregor's been excellent this season. Um, and when he's not playing again, Celtic really, really struggle. Uh, but yeah, we'll leave it there then. Sounds good. Cool. Well, if you made it this far, really 55 minutes in, um, quite a long one for us. Um, God bless you. Yeah, yeah, God bless you. And please uh, tell your friends about us if they like Scottish football. You can find us on Spotify at the uh, 2.1cast, also on Twitter at the 2.1, and if you have got an iPhone, obviously iTunes. Let's just get out, let's just leave. Uh, Okay, right, okay, yeah, yeah, we'll see you next week. Cheers.